Hello, I'm here with Caitlin to discuss various things. In particular, who's afraid of killer robots, which is the first one. Uh, Jeffrey Hinton, who has been an AI researcher for many years and was uh, head of the research at Google, I think, just quit his position at Google in order to sound the alarm and tell us that we're all doomed and we have to stop AI right away um, because uh, he thinks that the um, AI that's being developed is eclipsing human intelligence in certain ways. And uh, his immediate concern is that the internet will be flooded with false photos, videos, and texts. So the average person can't tell what is true anymore. But he's also worried that AI technologies will upend the job market and He's afraid that we will have autonomous weapons, killer robots, slaughtering us. So he's yelling and saying we need to stop it. I think there's no hope of stopping it. I think these fears are overblown, but I don't know that much about it. Yeah. However, on the other side, there's Palantir, Peter Thiel's company, notorious for making a spy software that gets us all, now has put out a video demonstrating their Palantir artificial intelligence program meant to use large language models like GPT-4 to control military activities. In a demonstration video, they use a ChatGPT chatbot to uh, detect signals from an enemy, order drone reconnaissance, generate plans of attack, organize the jamming of enemy communications. And so it gives the, uh, the operator like three choices. You can target enemy equipment uh, with a tank, you can attack it with an F-16, long-range artillery, or javelin missiles. And so the AI does all the work, including identifying the target, planning how to attack it, and the human just like picks off a menu. Right. And they say, there's no ethical concerns. There's a human in the loop. So, well, no, no. What they said is they thought about the ethical concerns, so it's okay. Yeah, this is like uh, the Supreme Court says, well, we thought about ethics yeah. and then decided no. So that's all settled. Yes. So everything's Everything's good, everyone. Don't worry about it. Well, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I must have been born with a mixture of chemicals. It just makes me optimistic. I, I think, you know, this is all overblown. People always freak out about every new form of technology and say it's going to destroy the world. And the fact is, most of it is mostly beneficial with some bad side. Yeah, I mean, every technology has a can be weaponized. I mean, a stick can be weaponized. And weapons are not all bad. Yes. We have a need for weapons and a need for the military. So just yeah. the fact that weapons are horrible and kill people doesn't mean they're bad. Right. Right. Um, and and the, the fact of the matter is, is that AI really is kind of going to improve our lives in the long run um, in terms of like content generation, helping people, you know, proofread their their books and their articles and get stuff done and complete their dreams. I think I think AI is going to be fantastic. And yeah. if it does help us, um, you know, scientifically down the line, like we get super advanced AIs that can just do science for us, well, we'll move our science over to the AIs. And instead of being a physicist or a mathematician, we'll have experts in AI, you know, learning algorithms and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll press on. Well, I think you'll still have physicists and mathematicians and poets and writers, all the things doing human creativity things that will go beyond what the machines do. The machines, I think, will always be uh, repetitive and, re you know, less creative, at least for quite a while. Right. I, I, th I think when the machine learning models gain the ability to explore the world themselves, I think we're going to see much greater, you know, um, imagination from them. <laughs> Until then, they're they're still just essentially viewing the world through like an art art museum. You know, it's 
Well, being able yeah. to explore the world themselves, I think, is already happening with Teslas. And very soon there will be humanoid robots all over the place. They're already yeah. there to be like companions and assistants for elderly people. Right. And I think there's a huge market for that. And we don't need any more technology than we already have. So I think we'll see that in wide deployment within a few years. Yep. And uh, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm with you. I, th I think on the whole, it's going to make our lives better. Uh, yeah. the, the, the thing is, is that on the short term, there's going to be some issues we need to work out because there may not be enough jobs for everybody. And so we'll have yeah. to restructure our economy to take, you know, to make sure that there's like a universal basic income and that, you know, but, but ultimately that's good. If our kids and our kids' kids can be artists and not worry about paying rent, I mean, that's a better world for everyone. Yeah, I think we really need to move towards universal basic income, though, which is, uh, yeah. it is appalling that we have people dying on the street that can't earn enough money to survive in America when we clearly have enough money to give everybody right. the basics of life. Right. And when we do have technology taking over our economy, which AI could technically do, um, or machine learning. Uh, by the way, I, I learned the difference between AI and machine learning. If you are writing Python, mm -hmm. it's machine learning. If you're writing a PowerPoint presentation or talking to the public, it's AI. Oh, well, I you yes. know, I had a different... <laughs> A way of describing that comparison yours is perhaps a little cynical <laughs> but but, uh, but, yeah. but but yes when 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 ai generates it is in charge of the economy it has no need for money so you know just distribute it among the people and you know let's call it call it a day and move on to brighter brighter meadows yeah well i think th but i think we are going to have in like five years of science fiction future where there are just robots walking among us mingling with humans doing jobs Yep. Being accepted as uh, appliance like your dishwasher is your robot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we'll, we'll have the the maid from the Jetsons in our house. I yeah, mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it won't. Yeah, I mean, they'll obviously be more like, you know, they're not going to be humanoid, but you know, oh, we'll, no, we'll, think... we'll move, we'll move, we'll have AI or machine learning integrated into a lot of, you know, IoT devices and stuff. So yeah. I think a bunch of them will be humanoid. I think there's demand for that. Anyway, it's a brave new world. So. uh and to keep on this glorious utopia, we can have worker surveillance. That's your story. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of <laughs> those few humans utopian... that still have jobs, you're going to have to make sure they're working properly, like yeah, robots. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of utopian futures that we're all living in, um, worker surveillance. So Gizmodo has this article uh, written by Lauren Lepper, and it's talking about the Biden administration. And so during COVID, and when everyone was working at home, a lot of employers started installing surveillance software on people's computers to make sure that they were actually working. And I think it's like every employer's worst nightmare that, you know, 1% of 1% of their workers are just at home slacking off, not doing their job. I mean, then what, what horror is that? So you got to find everyone to make sure that they are doing their job. Well, it turns out that's not really like ethical in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, so the Biden administration wants to look into or at least investigate, you know, surveillance software and figure out, you know, you do some initial recon on the situation, I suppose. Um, and yeah, so right on May Day, aka International Workers Day, this is from the article, the Biden administration Office of Science and Technology Policy has released a public request for information regarding worker surveillance and all other various ways employers are attempting to automate productivity tracking. So... Hopefully there there will be some laws in the future about you know what you can and cannot track because it is a little extreme. Um, when you log on to your workers, um, when you log on to your work computer, 
you're often greeted with a sign that says, hey, your computer is monitored. Now, traditionally, that just means like, hey, that if there's like an information leak, we can go on and check out your stuff. We're not actively monitoring you 24-7. But, you know, they there there is there has been a push by some companies to do that, to make sure that people are working. Um, and now you're getting into like privacy laws, you know, privacy issues. So hopefully we can come to some understanding that employers should not be monitoring 24-7, turning on your webcam, watching you, recording you as you work all the day. You know, and then some, you know. I do have some sympathy for employers that want to have some form of performance review and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, they need to make it not too intrusive. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, I I have sympathy for for employers, someone working in, in information security needing access to worker computers, uh, you know, in the case of a breach or something like that, that we need to be able to go on, you know, and when you go on the computer, you should assume what you're doing is not private, but there's a difference between not private and actively surveilled, right? That you have the, the microphone on, the camera on, and you're just watching employees. I mean, that's a bit much. Yeah. I remember when I started using Canvas, it has all these features to find out exactly when people have logged in and how long they've been in and everything. And I never use any of that. I don't care, but it's, um, the technology exists to micromanage everything all the students are doing if you wanted to do that. Oh, the technology exists to surveil all our lives, become a complete police state. The question is, should we, and what prevents us? And right now there's really nothing preventing employees from turning their workplace into a surveillance state. Yes. Um, but hopefully the Biden administration and future administrations, regardless of political party, will look into ways to limit that. I think it's just another example of how much we really need privacy law in America, which we really right. don't seem to have. Right. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, this is another bit of a, I had students last night in my class were getting pretty freaked out by this. So they took people and put them in a functional magnetic resonance indicator to read their brain scans from the outside of their skull, non-intrusively, and then had them listen to like podcasts and then had them imagine things and they're able to read their minds. They're able to tell what sentence they're mentally examining and what topic they're thinking about and what scene they're seeing just from AI analyzing the pattern of um, electrical impulses. So this is telepathy of a sort. Now they say this exact device can be defeated by just thinking about something else, which seems to me a little disingenuous. That's kind of the whole point. I mean, uh, the same thing's true of a normal lie detector. If you could actually ignore the question and think about something else, you could defeat it. But in practice, when they tell you don't think of an elephant, you'll think of an elephant. I mean, it's... uh... So anyway, this is uh, another one of those uh, scary future developments, which was sort of inevitable from, from many, many decades ago. Sooner or later... They'll be able to read your mind from the electrical signals that come out through your skull to some extent. And uh, I remember when I when I did medical research decades ago, they would do vision tests on infants by putting electrodes on their skull and put flickering lights in front of them. You can tell if they can see the light by whether the signal makes it to their brain. That tells you if their eye is properly focused. And this is just an extension of the same thing. So, But anyway, it does mean, of course, this will be an issue. And the next step, which is already close is to send electrical signals into your brain to change how you think good good i see your cat has woke up 
and you know that's they already can do that for medical purposes like parkinson's patients they put electrical stimulators in their brain and i don't see any reason why we couldn't send signals in to make you stop thinking incorrect thoughts and force you to think correct thoughts it would just be a development of the same software so that would be a delightful improvement. Yeah. Right. And, and people are saying this is this is scary because obviously it could be misused by authoritarian governments. But the idea of not only reading brains, but writing to, you know, nervous systems can be very important for um for medicine. Uh if you have a spinal injury, for example, uh, yeah. you can bypass the the spinal cord and get signals down to, you know, your legs, for example, if you know how to read and write from neurons. Uh and yeah. a, a lot of people think of the brain as the thing in your head, but it's really the entire nervous system. So your brain sort of goes down along your, your spine, then out to your fingertips and everything. Uh, so you have to think of sort of the nervous system as one, you know, giant piece. So, uh, you know, stroke victims, um, et cetera, they could really benefit from a lot of this technology. Um, and I think people with psychiatric problems like depression could benefit. We already know yeah. that you can improve depression just by an uncontrolled high voltage blast of your brain, just to jerk you out of your your unpleasant thoughts, and a more carefully crafted electrical pulse to try to more gently nudge you from harmful thoughts over to better thoughts would probably be very helpful and pretty much amount to the same thing as like drug treatment. Right. So, you know, we're living in exciting times. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people read the headlines of these new technologies and they uh, come away with a very dystopian view of the future. And it's important to keep our hopes up. Uh, I'm not necessarily a technology is always good, you know, person, but on the whole, think about our lives 2000 years ago compared to today. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, the technology is a tool right. and uh, some people will abuse it, but a whole lot of the people, most people just want to make money. And the way to make real money is to make something valuable that people want and exactly. sell a lot of that. <laughs> right. Finally, the free market's going to save us all. Yeah, there you go. Yes. I'm pretty much for that. All right. And, and and in particular, like Microsoft is improving their product. Yeah. Oh, yes. Microsoft is actually improving the product, which is surprising. So Linux for a while has been moving over to REST. And it turns out that Microsoft is doing the same with Windows. So this is an article on the register by Thomas uh, Claiborne. And Microsoft yeah, is rewriting the core Windows API functions and the core code within Windows in memory safe REST which is very good. It's much safer. I mean, Windows has a whole bunch of issues historically with uh, attackers being able to essentially gain remote control of a system due to you know bad memory management. So I'm thinking particularly of like Eternal Blue. Uh, moving over to Rust uh, would be great. Uh, unfortunately, I do think Rust is going to slow down the system a bit. Uh, but once again, we just get faster and faster computers. And, and this is one of the things that's a little frustrating. Uh, we have all these fast computers. And if we were all still running DOS, our computers would be really fast. But we've decided to use a lot of this power to, you know, move all our drivers into user land, uh, to rewrite the our operating systems in Rust. So it has to do calculations every time it adds or subtracts a variable to make sure it's not overflowing. I mean, it's... It's a little frustrating from a performance perspective, but from a security perspective, um, this is very good news. I've read articles that claim that Rust is now faster than C++, which I don't know. Uh, I doubt. Possible. Yeah, it, it might be faster than C++. Mm -hmm. Is it faster than C? That's what Windows is no. written. No. Yeah, I don't think, well, uh, I'm not sure that much of Windows is written in C anymore. 
Um, the fastest, but she is very limited. The point is Windows does have these complicated data structures for everything. Right in yeah. WinDebug, you can see them in the kernel. So I think it's written in C++. Uh, I've I've saw the source code for Windows back in the XP era. That was leaked a few years ago, and that was all C. Really? And most of yeah, most of the most of the code on um, oh, what's it called the React OS is also C code. Hmm. Um, well, yeah, it's very hard to believe that Rush could be faster than C. I agree because yeah. C is almost assembler. Pretty much. Yeah. All right. And, and most and most operating systems are written in C, or mm-hmm. or holy C, if you know what I'm talking about there. Holy C. Holy C. Holy she. Oh, oh, there's an operating system called Temple OS made by, let's just say, a eccentric person who thought that their operating system was going to be the third temple of some biblical prophecy. Oh. And uh, wrote a language called Holy See. Oh, okay. Yes. I, I highly recommend people check out Temple OS if you haven't. It's, it's up there with Red Star OS. <laughs> oh, no, it's way better than Red Star. It's, it's actually very impressive for a one person project. Okay. Um, but unfortunately, the the author passed away a year or two ago uh, due to complications from schizophrenia. And and you know he should have been able to attain eternal life if he made a better operating system. He did. I mean, we should all be switching to Temple OS for sure. Well, yeah, but I mean, I mean, Ray Kurzweil thinks he's going to actually gain eternal life by bringing his consciousness into an android body pretty soon. Oh, very good. Yep. Anyway, isn't um, that special? Yeah, well, the problem is he seems to have been right. I mean, I think we, the AI singularity is hitting about when he said it would. And he said about 10 or 20 years after this point, we'll have those robot bodies with positronic brains we can just stick our consciousness into. That part seems a bit extreme to me. I think that's more 200 years in the future than 20, but we'll see. Anyway, um, so there's a nice article on Wired going through what really happened at Solar Winds by Kim Zetter. It's very interesting. The, the backstory, I remember I was watching Solar Winds happen. It was very clear that we were getting only a small part of the story, and now he's got quite a bit more. So it started in 2019. Velexity was an instant response company, and they found a company that was being hacked through the Solar Winds server. And although they investigated it greatly, they could never figure out what vulnerability was being exploited. And they just kept coming back month after month, and they couldn't figure it out. So they finally just took that server off the system to stop the, the attack. Um and it wasn't until November of 2020 when that Mandiant found out that they'd been hacked. And Mandiant had apparently been owned for about eight months, although that's not entirely clear. And they now had huge issues of carefully crafting statements and not really admitting exactly what had happened. And the uh, public relations was hand managed by lawyers, which seems to be the way you do it. Because And so... Um, but they said Mandiant had never been hacked until then. They had to admit it. So they talk about all the steps they went through this. And everybody is still kind of shy about releasing the details, both due to corporate uh, stock price concerns and due to government requests to conceal the secrets. But, you know, as I think we all know, the bottom line is that the Russians were incredibly effective. They compromised solar winds years before, like as far back as 2017. They carefully planned this, and it's so good that they're probably still in control of a great many companies. Um, and, you know, it's uh, the the age of the supply chain attack is on us. All right. And yeah. I, the defense is almost impossible. I mean, how are you supposed to know that a legitimate update signed from the legitimate software author is poison? 
what are you supposed to do? What kind of defense can there be against that? It's very unclear. Anyway, it's an interesting story and important issue of the future. And uh, all right, and you've got this uh, principle. I've already had some people complaining about this on Mastodon when I posted this article. Yeah, no. So if you thought that your administration might be a little inept, um, you're you're pretty spot on. Uh, uh, so a Florida principal over in I uh, for a I think it was a charter school in Florida, of course, um, resigned because the principal sent over a hundred thousand dollars to somebody posing as like an Elon Musk assistant, <laughs> and. Uh, of course, this is happening in Florida. Um, this is from, uh, I believe, is uh, NBC six uh, South uh, com. Excellent, excellent source of news. Um, and yeah, so this principal uh, ran a STEM program and got some emails from someone claiming to be associated with Elon Musk, and they said, "Hey, if you send us a hundred thousand dollars, we will." donate $6 million to your STEM program. And so she said, Ooh, wow, that's awesome. Because you know, I'm a, grants, you know, grants don't work that way. Yes, I know. That's, that's, <laughs> it, it's hard to understand why at that point you don't hang up the phone. I mean, right. Well, I mean, this principal, I mean, clearly has a doctorate and is very intelligent. <laughs> um, she says it, she's very she, intelligent and who would doubt yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Who would doubt it? I mean, Dr. Jan McGee. Uh, who is clearly a responsible person who does responsible things and is clearly uh, an exemplar of leadership within academia, <laughs> which, I mean, you know, we, we all complain about a lot of these leaders being inept, um, and it, it's true. Uh, so um, Dr. McGee, oh my, that almost sounds like a joke, <laughs> Dr. McGee. But anyway, Dr. McGee, uh, you know, sent ten, uh, $100,000, and this $100,000 was not from her personal savings, although I'm sure as an administrator, she makes enough that she could send it personally. She got it from the district, and the district, of course, says, or, or the school administration says that uh, Dr. McGee can write checks up to $50,000 without any approval from anyone, so... Yeah. Uh, and first yeah. I wondered if she was embezzling the money, but it sounds like she was really expecting to get a grant for the school. Right. So this was arguably more or less within the purview of her employment. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes it's not embezzlement. Sometimes it is this absolute stupidity. Anyway, she is stepping down. Um, and I mean, I, and I am, I do want to point out that I am somewhat victim blaming here because you know, obviously the, the real criminal is the person who is scamming her and the scammers can get pretty convincing at times. But as a principal working with this large amount of money, she should have at least consulted somebody, you know? Well, I wonder if this is pig butchering because they said she was groomed for four months to get her to fall for this. And that pretty much means they must have involved some emotional component to uh, to make you do it. Usually, if I thought I was looking for embezzlement, if it's a personal matter, they'll usually convince you you can't tell anybody because this is a crooked deal and it'll only work if you keep it secret. Hmm. The other one is to somehow uh, have romance involved where I'm you're proving you love me by investing in this or something. It's right. Either, either way, uh, this principal has lost the confidence of you know her school and her employees, so she is stepping down. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, in the grant, I understand everybody being super tense about money in academic environments. It's always this way, and you know, when I was um, 
30 years ago when I was in grad school in Illinois, uh, the chairman of the, someone in charge, I think, of the alumni fund at the University of Chicago just took official college checks and spent them on like drugs and prostitutes and cars and stuff. Yeah. And spent all the money that way. And why it went on for a long that? time before anybody noticed. So yeah, why couldn't she do that? Why does she have to be stupid and fall for this stuff? She could she could have literally bought like yep. kilograms of cocaine. I know. I mean, this is really as as government corruption goes, this is fairly minor. I think she was yeah. trying to do her job. She was trying yeah. to raise funds for the school and just made a mistake, as opposed yeah. to you know, just outright stealing the money. Yeah, no, I mean, she she should have done what most administrators do and just steal the money. She would have gotten into less trouble and would have kept her job. Probably so. Yeah. Although, of course, I mean, the thing is what she should have done is talk to other people before sending money and, and let other people, you know, put in input. And I'm sure someone would have said, this doesn't sound right. You don't have to send money to get money. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Reminds me when I went to the bank and I saw this sign up there saying, if you are here to get a cashier's check to send to someone in Moldova, please don't do it. Right. <laughs> and it doesn't even work. Most of the people are so um, you know, engaged in the scam that even if you tell them this is a scam, yeah. don't do this. Uh, we get this all the time. Yeah. They'll still do it because they're just emotionally invested. It's very much like all the people at the right wing conspiracy theories. Oh, don't trust the media. Don't trust science. Don't trust your friends or your family. You're the only one that knows the secret truth. Yes, that our love is real. Or that, you know, that yeah. everybody's corrupt and you need to like engage in political violence or something. It's it's real appealing to feel like you're the special one, the holder of the secret knowledge and everybody around you is stupid. Yes. Yes, yeah. it is. Um and, you know, but, but what's funny is that, of course, you, you end up looking really stupid, especially the flat earth conspiracists and the anti-moon landing conspiracists and, well, just conspiracy theorists in general. Just Well, I up, don't know. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I think you could believe in a flat earth or that the moon landing is fake. And you really could probably live your whole life without ever having incontrovertible proof that it's false because you can't directly observe those very well. I'm, I, I'm well, I'm directly... I mean, so yeah, but most ever... most of science requires at least some amount of instrumentation to just to, to prove, right? Like, yeah, yeah but yeah. but that's you know, I think that's a whole lot less direct than somebody actually stealing your money. Well, where, true, true. Yeah. Where pretty soon you can't deny that happened. Hey, the money is gone, and they're not doing what they said they were going to do. Well, true, true. I mean, you you could live your life thinking the world is flat. Yeah. And as, as long as you just keep it to yourself, you're not going to affect anyone, right? Oh, even if you go around telling everybody, uh, it, you, you may never have to admit you were wrong. Uh, well, you, you do end up making the world a slightly worse place if you go around spreading misinformation. Well, I guess in a way. Right. Yeah. All right. I mean, not, not you know, yeah. you're, you're not like, you know, telling people to overthrow the capital because, you know. Well, you know, this is what Sherlock Holmes said. At one point, Watson told him the Earth went around the sun, and he said, shut up, this is nonsense. You're corrupting my brain with useless information. The Earth could go around the moon for all I care. Don't bother me with this nonsense. Right. Anyway, all right. Well, that's it for this one, and we'll be back on Friday.